This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, to break down LSU's big commitment. Kind of a surprise on Thursday morning as four-star defensive back B.J. Allen commits to the Tigers, a 2022 prospect, but already a top 100 overall player on 24-7 sports. But more importantly, the number two overall safety in the country jumps on board with LSU. What a haul they have so far in 2022, building on that number one overall class ranking right now with Bryce Anderson out of Beaumont Westbrook at safety. Kamari Rogers out of Mississippi, one of the top corners in the country, and in-state wide receiver DeColdis Crawford committed. LSU has four commitments now in 2022, ranking them number one overall in the country. And, Shay, this is a commitment that, look, I just talked to Brian Allen, and, and he said he was going to take some visits, but obviously thought about it. And coming off his visit really last summer to LSU, he had them at the top of his list and opts to go ahead and commit. Yeah, I mean, this is big time to land a player like that. Is um, look, he's not ranked by any of the other services right now, but twenty four seven Sports has ranked him a what number two safety in the country, so top fifty range player, uh, and obviously a top five guy in Texas. He'll probably stay in that top one hundred range throughout because you look at what he did, what just so far um, in his time in high school, and, and look back at what defensive newcomer of the uh, newcomer of the year award for four five A or I guess district four and five A uh, in Texas. But I thought last year when watching this film, um, when you look at the stats, I mean Billy, 122 tackles, 80 of them being solo, had a few picked off passes, forced a couple of fumbles, recovered some. So you get a sense that. He really is a bit of a do-it-all safety. And I thought today, and people can go to the site and check it out, the Friday film focus that Sonny did breaking down Brian Allen Jr. Uh, gave him the comp of, of Grant Delpit. You kind of offered up a little bit of a, uh, a Maurice Hampton thought. But I guess the point is, with both of y'all saying those names, is LSU's getting a guy who can, yes, play center field for you, understands uh, certainly what comes with uh, defending the passing game, but boy, He's not afraid to get down in the box. He tackles well. Uh, it seems like this is a really good pickup. Not the fastest guy in the country probably, but for a safety, Billy, I'm guessing that uh, you're not worried about that. You're much more worried about uh, what his sort of abilities are, both in coverage and in the box, and he seems to be really good at both of them, at least so far from his freshman and sophomore seasons of high school. Yeah, and for Brian Allen, he transferred into Lido before this year, which for those who aren't familiar is a perennial state powerhouse in Texas. They've won multiple state championships uh, in the past decade. They're already they're always right in the mix for them. Brian Allen led Alito to a state championship this year. Uh, fun fact, I used to do some uh, fill-in sideline reporting for Bearcats Radio, so really familiar for the most part with, with what Alito brings. And he's still got a lot of developing to do over his junior and senior seasons. And Gabe mentioned it when you look at his 40 from his freshman year uh, in the spring at the opening. 
it's an encouraging number. I believe it was right in the four seven range, which is a freshman. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Shaz yeah, Preston, that's not bad at all. Yeah, Shaz Preston was was, was the same way uh, as a freshman, running a, a very similar time, maybe a little bit faster. Uh, to kind of put it into perspective, at the opening uh, as a freshman as well in, in in the New Orleans area. So he's going to continue to fill out, uh, and I think that's where Sonny's point of Grant Delpit really you know rings true is that he's got a good frame that can fill out. Uh, could he you know potentially grow an inch or two? Maybe we'll we'll see. And but look, LSU is getting a really well coached player, a productive player, a great athlete, uh, and somebody that has his best football in front of him. I mean, this is there's a lot of schools. Yeah, he's a sophomore. Yeah, there's a lot of schools around the country that wanted Brian Allen, and LSU was the one that got him on board. Yeah, I agree with you. Now that you're saying it, I'm looking at it. You look at a four seven four forty, a four four three shuttle, a thirty two inch vert. It's not like eye popping numbers, but he was 15 at the time, and as you said, best football certainly ahead of him, given he's got a junior and senior year left um, in high school. So big time player. I mean, this will he'll be one of the better players they sign in that 2022 class. No question. You pair him with Bryce Anderson, and that is a, a, a group of safeties that are going to rival anybody's in the country. And now they'll have to hang out onto both of them. But and and you know we'll have more updates on some of these new offers going out. But I, I would, off the top of my head, have to think now they've offered in the 2022 class probably all let's say seven of the top safeties in the country. And Kamari Wilson's going to try and visit. Uh, we'll have an update on him next week. He's the number one safety in the country out of the state of Florida. He seems pretty interested after LSU entered the mix. So a really, really strong safety haul for Bill Bush, who's been on an absolute tear. And this segues nicely into what we're going to talk about next, which is your deep dive over 5,000 words on Jabril Cox, the North Dakota State transfer for LSU that's going to step right in, play a ton of football for LSU at linebacker, and somebody that when you profiled him had a relationship you know, with with Bill Bush that really probably won the day for LSU. Yeah, I mean, if you've got time to go to the site and check it out, it's on the front page. You can find it on the board. We've tweeted it a number of times. It's called Faith, Family Faith in Football, the Jabril Cox story. And it's a good read not to just get an insight into Cox, but also Bill Bush, who played a big role here. And, and we'll start with Cox. And we've been talking about plenty of high school kids and their stats. And Cox got injured. He tells the story of my junior, his junior year. He said, look, I, I tore up my knee. I was off to a great start. Um, 1,300 passing yards, almost 20 touchdowns to tear up my knee, and I'm done for the year. And not many people thought uh, that I'd be ready for my senior season. I rehabbed. I got well um, and then tore it apart. I mean, he had over 3,000 yards of total offense, 30-plus touchdowns. He threw for 2,000, ran for 1,000 did a bit of everything, um, but as he said, nobody ever came back around on him coming out of Kansas City, and, um, you know, he had some interest from some very small FBS schools, but uh, as he notes and kind of talked about to me, which I thought was an interesting point, was, like, how high if teams would have even come back around, like, and he ends up signing with, with obviously, North Dakota State, who is the gold standard of, you know, FCS-level programs, and they win the national championship every year. They put out NFL players, like, would a Miami of Ohio offer been bigger than that? Like I would have thought, no, maybe. So he said, look, uh, in hindsight, it might have been good that I went to North Dakota State. Like smaller FBS schools could have come after me, and I wouldn't be in this position. Certainly wouldn't have won a bunch of national championships and had the chance to go to LSU. But um, as he talks more about it, I think it's just a good insight, too, into 
how do you win kids over right now when you're not allowed to see them in person? And for a lot of recruits, let's say Brian Allen Jr., for instance, he's already visited LSU before, and he's only a sophomore in high school. Like this whole, you know, the recruiting ban on in-person recruiting only right now goes to May 31st. For Brian Allen, he's got two years of high school left. He's going to be around LSU plenty. He's not really worried about it. I can commit, no big deal. For Cox, for Jabril Cox, you're looking at a guy who, as he puts it, Billy, I have, I'm graduating right now from North Dakota State. I'm doing online courses. I'm expecting and I'm wanting to be at a college campus for June to begin summer workouts. And if I'm going to plan accordingly that way, I've got to commit to a school that I've never been to. And he was literally going to the airport to fly to Baton Rouge for his official visit when the SEC put down that ruling that all in-campus, or excuse me, all uh, in-person or on-campus uh, recruiting was put to a stop. And he said, I'd just go home. And from there uh, is where Bill Bush comes in. And, and yes, look, he was familiar with Ed Orgeron. I never talked to him until he got into the portal. He had talked to Bo Pelini before because he was the head coach at Youngstown State and North Dakota State and Youngstown State played each other a good bit over his career there. But it was Bill Bush who really stepped in here and got it done. And um, there were some things I didn't know. I didn't know Bill Bush played this big role in, in getting out Utah to convince or convince Utah staff to take Alex Smith when he was a two-star coming out of high school. And Alex Smith and his mom, and, and I used the quotes in there, um, talked about way back in the day when they were at the Heisman that the one person they called was Bill Bush and said, look, we would have never gotten here had you not um, really convinced the Utah staff to take him. And then obviously we saw him play a real key role in getting Joe Burrow because when he was Bush was coaching at Nebraska, um, Jimmy Burrow had coached at Nebraska. They knew each other, never been at the same time, but Dan Burrow, the middle brother, played for Bill Bush in Nebraska, and he coached him in the, in the secondary. Uh, and then obviously when Burrow comes out, Bush you know, kind of helps set up the visit, and, and ultimately they get him. So that's two Heisman finalists, 1-1, one, one, obviously Burrow, but uh, two potential or expected number one picks in Smith and Burrow. But then it ties in this like Polynesian angle, which people have sort of become familiar with Bill Bush, and he spent, you know, the article talks about how he spent all this time out out west, you know, at schools like Utah, Utah State, New Mexico State, and really found out, like, look, there's a lot of poly kids that are good, uh, whether they're Hawaiian or Samoan or Tongan or whatever it might be, uh, but to get in with them, you really have to, like, you know, have a reputation of recruiting them, be invited into the homes, and um, it sort of tells a story about how Bush did that, and we saw it, Billy, with Apu Aika and um, and then not Sihoni Tahuma, uh, Fanua, uh, in the, what, 2019 cycle when they both signed and really pointed to Bill Bush as being a, a huge part of that. And then fast forward to Jabril Cox. And I don't think many people knew this about him before we really started reading into him after his commitment uh, that his mother is American Samoan. And Bill Bush found that out and really hit it off. And uh, Jabril said, look, when you're not allowed to see coaches in person and I can't go visit the campus, my family just got to bank everything off of trust. And he said, no, what, 50-something colleges came after me and said they wanted to be, but nobody was able to get that trust factor up the way Bill Bush did. And because of that, uh, he pulled the trigger and committed to LSU. And, um, you know, I got long-winded, but that's kind of the summation of the story. And you get a feel for what type of player Cox is. And, and Billy, look, with, with LSU, even if they're switching base defenses, you still lose Jason Divinity. Um, Patrick Queen, Jacob Phillips, everybody who was logging starts for you a year ago at linebacker is gone. And you've got Jacoby Stevens back, but he's a bit of a safety. So Jabril comes in and the expectation 
for him this fall will be start. You know, that's a given. But where he starts, whether it's in the center, you know, in the middle or on one of the edge spots, we'll see. Uh, but regardless, this is a big time addition and uh, a kid that's been playing at a high level since high school. It's just he just simply got overlooked. Yeah, it, it was a it was a great story. Everybody has a lot of time on their hands right now, so I highly encourage you guys to go and read that. It's on Go Twenty Four Seven right now. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break from the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. Come back, talk a little bit about the LSU players that are going to be virtually participating in the NFL draft. Kind of a weird thing. And Shay and I are going to share our best recruit that we've ever covered. So we'll do that on the other side of this break from the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, leave us a rating. Leave us a review on the podcast. Let us know what you think. And if you have any suggestions, feel free to fire those away on our uh, reviews uh, section. So thanks for doing that. And thanks so much for everybody who's been reading and posting on the board. It's been really popping, I would say, even with how quiet everything is without sports. Uh, The board's been pretty active. So come join the fun on Go 24-7. Check us out. You can subscribe for just a buck. Now, Shay, uh, some guys that are going to be having some fun over uh, the next couple weeks are really the double-digit players that LSU has in the NFL draft that came out early or graduated or what have you. Those guys are about to have their lives changed, and it's going to be weird this year. And Joe Burrow was on with Shaq on his podcast earlier this week talking about how he's a little disappointed that he's not able to walk across the red carpet and you know, walk on water was how the NFL was going to do it in, in Las Vegas for the draft, of course, got to do it big in Vegas. But now they're going to be a part of a virtual draft and everybody's going to be at home. I can't imagine from the team side how it's going to work. But the LSU players that are going to be participating virtually are Burrow, Christian Fulton, Caleb Von Chason, Patrick Queen, Grant Delpit, Lloyd Cushenberry, Thad Moss, and I think I nailed all of those guys, and Justin Jefferson. And the one player that isn't is Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and I thought that was kind of interesting, uh, at least out of out of the, the notable guys that I felt like would be invited to some sort of draft uh, deal with the virtual draft. Clyde isn't, but LSU has eight players that are going to be participating in the virtual draft, and it's going to be quite the adventure, I think, come April for uh, or well, come later this month for, for the NFL draft. Yeah, I thought for sure, like 58 total players got invited. So for LSU to be have eight of them there is like a big deal. And it sort of matches what we've seen so far. Like they had 16 guys at the combine. That was the most uh, of any college team. They have 20 draft eligible guys. That's the most of any college team. 
uh, and now they get eight guys invited to this, which I would bet is up there. I haven't gone through the whole list yet, unless Bama's got around that number. But uh, point being is that, yes, it's a big honor. A bunch of these were expected. I'll say I'm a little surprised Thaddeus Moss is on there, but I would guess a part of that. Yeah, I mean, he's a big-time tight end, but he was hurt for the NFL Combine, so we didn't get to see him work out. I would think some of this is tied into – you know, Randy Moss and the reality that, you know, when he gets taken, that will be a storyline. So was definitely surprised that Edward Euler wasn't on there. But look, Billy, when was when has Clyde Edward Euler ever been given the benefit of the doubt? You know, they knock him for his size, they knock him for everything. Uh, and I thought that one of the more we see so many, you know, we've written a bunch of these articles, but we read them and we see them on TV of all these different analysts comparing all these guys and um, you know, eventually it can just, you know, blur together. But I thought one thing that stood out was Maurice Jones-Drew and what he said this week. And I pick him because he's someone who had a great NFL career and he's been compared a lot, at least body-wise and running style, uh, to Clyde Edwards-Eler. They're, you know, pretty similar players. You could throw a Darren Sproles into that type of conversation. But what MJD said, and I'll paraphrase, he just said, look, a kid, trust me, I've watched all of his film. A kid that versatile is a day one starter for in, in any system you want. So I think if, and I don't think MG, MJD's out here blowing smoke. You know, I think he truly believes that. So if that's the case, Billy, I'm not surprised at all if he gets picked in, picked in the second round or very early in the third. And I know a lot of people thought, look, he's probably maybe a third round type guy. But yes, running backs are not the most valuable thing to have to go get in a draft. But beyond what Dobbins and Swift and Jonathan Taylor, some of these guys have a lot of tread on the tires. I'd put Edward Dealer out there. And as soon as those guys start coming off the board, I think we're on Clyde watch. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think MJD nailed it with, with Clyde Edward Dealer, and, and I'll kind of let him off the hook, I guess, for not having Joe Burrow on uh, as the number one pick in one of his mock drafts because of that. A uh, little bizarre. But, uh, yeah, he, he knows running backs, and, and he knows what's going to work in the NFL. And, and I think Clyde, like you said, with his versatility, somebody that's going to be able to step in and play a ton of snaps right away for an NFL team. So I was a little surprised by him. But, you know, Clyde's also a little uh, low-key. We don't know the backstory. We don't know why he wasn't invited. But, um, you know, he'll, he'll definitely uh, celebrate uh, whenever he's picked uh, accordingly with family and, and under quarantine, I guess, uh, like everyone else. And one thing I'll say is, is Lloyd Cushenberry. I thought that was an interesting guy to have invited to the virtual draft yeah great for him and we actually are going to be dropping a story on Lloyd here in the next day or so I caught up with him this week and talked about his workouts and his conversations with teams and and we touched a little bit on of course you know the national championship run and so look for that on go 24 7 as we continue to kind of prep and and uh keep you guys informed on where these guys are expected to go and how they're preparing as best we can so hopefully we'll be able to get more former players on uh, for, for stories or whether they jump on this podcast or what have you, but look for that on Lloyd uh, in the next day or so hitting go 24 com. And finally, Shay, we want to chop it up a little bit about uh, recruits. The, the experts, the national recruiting analysts got together and shared the best recruit that they've covered. And, and you saw guys on there like Tyler Murray out of Texas who never lost as a starter and Jadavian Clowney and Jalen Smith and Barton picked Lyle Collins out of Baton Rouge and of course went on to LSU and had a great career and there's a bunch of guys out there that have been quote you know the best we've ever seen but 
you know, who is, who's yours? Because I posted mine on the board and it's the same as yours, but you know, it's pretty impressive what, you know, Derek Stingley has, has done uh, in his high school career and, and certainly as, as an LSU Tiger now. Yeah, I mean, you asked me right before we came on the podcast who who did I think I was going to choose, and and I immediately just said Stingley, and it was almost like word vomit type, like it just happened so quickly. I mean, I guess I could think a little bit harder than that, but yes, he's recent, he's in our face right now, but I mean, he was the highest ranked player cornerback in the history of 24-7 for a reason, and the reason was what we saw this year. I mean, he is absolutely physically, he was college-ready skill-wise, he was the best cornerback in the conference. Um, arguably in the country. There's no doubt it'll be a top 10 pick. Whenever a team needs that draft rolls around in two years, whichever team seriously needs a corner, they're going to take him with whatever pick they have. So uh, that's about as no-brainer as it gets. But, I mean, I'll go back to that 2009 to 11 range when I was covering things down in Louisiana, and we saw everyone from Tyron um, to Jarvis, Odell. I would say Jarvis was a a better prospect than Odell coming out and they were both dynamic, but Jarvis's hands then were what they are now. It's unbelievable. I'll throw Dockwell Williams in that group coming down from uh, the river parishes. He was ultimately, gosh, he went Juco and then went to Auburn. He plays for the bills now, but he was just this like specimen in high school where nobody could guard him. He was just so much more physical. Like I saw one time at a seven on seven, down in, gosh, I guess we were in reserve maybe, but it was him and Landon Collins going up against each other. And by the end of the day, like both of them had just blood everywhere on their seven on seven jerseys. And they were just like out there, like punching each other and screaming at each other and like not punching like fist fighting, but like getting off the line, like jamming each other into their faces. And you're not pads or anything. It was like, Jesus, like both these dudes are just freaks. And obviously Landon Collins lived out to be exactly what he was. And Doc Wills had some road bumps, but uh, yeah, he'd be up there and, and I'll still stick and say that, and look, I'm watching Stingley right now, but from covering these recruits into college, the best two college players I've seen were Kim in person were Kim Newton and Tyron Matthew. And, and we saw Newton that one year, but he was, I mean, he was just so unbelievable. He was just so much bigger and faster and better than everybody else that was on the field. I mean, he was dragging Patrick Peterson off the goal line in that game uh, at Auburn. So, and then Matthew was what he was. I mean, he was just <laughs> unbelievably dynamic. I still wish we could have seen that 2012 season and him playing and what would have happened. But yeah, I mean, that those are kind of the group. I like the Layel pick. I watched, gosh, probably every few weeks I'd go to a Redemptorist game and him and Jeremy Hill were unstoppable. They would just run it off the left side and Layel would take whoever the DN was, throw them onto the ground, go to the linebacker, throw them on the ground. And then him and Jeremy Hill would just be running to the end zone together. It was it was unstoppable almost. So, yeah, all those guys are in that group. But, boy, Stingley, <laughs> he's up there. And, and I know playing at Dunham, he, he was just better than everybody. It wasn't even, nobody could ever tackle him. He picked it off every time he threw it at him. When he got a punt return, he scored a touchdown. It was He was just light years above everybody. And we saw him, you know, carry that into, into SEC or into everything this year, Texas game, all those games. He was, uh, he was phenomenal. He doesn't look like an 18-year-old freshman. Yeah, and and I went with Stingley too, and you know at least you know just from the modern stuff I would say because you know he's not a quarterback, he's not expected to touch the ball every play, but there was a feeling whenever you went to a Dunham game or even a bootlegger seven on seven or what have you that he could get the ball whether it was receiver, whether it was corner, 
whether it was punt return, kick return, take it to the house, score a touchdown, it didn't really matter. And I think that's the thing that sticks with me the most. And then, of course, all of his verified numbers were sick. You know, I think it was a 4 3 8 at the opening in Dallas. I was actually there when he ran it. It was pretty remarkable what he was able to put together as a recruit. I'll go back, and I grew up in the state of Florida. And while he wasn't the best prospect, I would say, just because of that throwing motion, I mean, Tim Tebow was unbelievable at Nice. Uh, watching him, uh, he was on um, yeah, two a days way back in the day when, when Hoover was, uh, was getting profiled and they played him in a season opener. Um, I'll go to Kyler Murray, who I got to see a couple times when I was uh, at SMU and living in Texas, and he was unbelievable. I mean, never lost as a starter. That's probably, he's probably my number two. Kyler Murray, I would say, is right there uh, just for what he was able to do at the highest level of Texas high school football. Again, never lost stack yards, played baseball too, and obviously went on to win a Heisman at Oklahoma after transferring from A&M. Uh, but there, there are a lot of guys that you kind of go back through the years. Uh, uh, probably one of the first recruits I followed even was Julio Jones. And, and I think Foley had a, had a nationally televised game. And I remember watching him and, and following that recruitment all the end, just that off of that. I mean, he was, and, and actually if you listen uh, to some of our, our Bama site guys and other site guys, uh, just to keep up around the country, uh, they did a profile on him and how he you know, completely changed the game for Alabama when when Nick Saban signed him out of there. And he was unbelievable as a receiver prospect. Um, there's a lot of guys through the years. I would say the best player that we've that that I've covered, I, I so far, I would say, I mean, Jamal Adams might be up there. He was just unbelievable in every facet of the game too i mean you you look at what he was able to do at the safety position now he's you know probably going to be the highest paid safety in the nfl he's kind of underrated in the grand scheme of things just because i, I mean he was just barely a top 100 prospect on 24 7 the composite had him really high but greg powers back when he was with us at scout had him as the number one safety and a five-star i think top 10 overall player and so he stands out out of the texas area as well for me and there's a, like I said, there's a lot of guys, but um, interested to hear your guys' take once this pod drops and it's on the board. Feel free to chime in with with your top recruit you've ever seen or watched or how you know whatever you want to say. Feel free to let it fly. We're interested in hearing what you guys have to say as well. But uh, all of those guys uh, deserve plenty of recognition. I like the picks. Stroll down memory lane there, man. There, I could go on all day. We we should do a story on this. The best from each class that we saw. I think that'd be an interesting debate. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll say this: Ivan's, who's you know kind of on the younger side, like us, uh, and especially out of the national analysts. Uh, he mentioned Trevor Lawrence, who, I mean, I think if, if you ask Rusty Manziel and those guys too, covering him out of Georgia, he'd be right up there too uh, for anybody as as far as a quarterback prospect. I think I think Trevor Lawrence is is right in that mix too. Yeah, yeah. Him and Justin Fields were pretty dynamic. Obviously, Lawrence's Lawrence's record uh, was unbelievable. Wait, so. He's a sophomore. That's right. Okay, yeah, that was like a storyline, right? Like, what didn't yep. when he lost to LSU was like the first time he had lost ever, or what? Like, he, did he lose like a game like as a junior in high school or something? Yes, that that was the first game he lost in like I want to say five years or dating back to his sophomore year of high school or something like that. It, it was unbelievable. I mean, just yeah, you know, what what he was able to do, uh, what he's been able to do, still does as, as a starting quarterback in college football and back in high school. I mean, that was a uh, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, you remember the opening finals that we uh, went to in Oregon there? That was uh, 
the big, big storyline out of that one, if I remember correctly. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good times out in Oregon, watching those two sling it around and, and certainly following them throughout the, their uh, college careers now. But uh, we've gone on long enough, guys. Hope you guys uh, are all staying safe out there, having a great uh, quarantine life as best you can. And uh, we're trying to give you guys a little bit of uh, some time to kill, you know, with these podcasts. So we're going to keep turning them out. Um, Shady, what do you got on the agenda this weekend? Man, I'm definitely going to eat a little uh, crawfish, Good Friday crawfish. Sunday for Easter, I'm not so sure. I mean, everyone's kind of split up, obviously, with uh, the family in different pockets of the country. So the forecast here in Baton Rouge, Billy, is like monsoon and lightning. So is getting outside seems like a no go. So it might be it might be like the first ever Netflix and chill Easter, which is not what I anticipated. Yeah, well, not to you know put a dampen, damper on this one, but uh, I was supposed to be in Vegas at a bachelor party for Masters weekend this weekend, so uh, oh, well, we're, we're we're hurting. So I'll probably watch the Masters rerun, get in get in the sun a little bit. It's beautiful down here in Florida, so um, hope everyone has a great Easter weekend. Hope you have a great Easter weekend, buddy, and uh, we'll check in next week. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it.